Hello, this is Mary Christopher, and this is Storytime. Uh, today is Tuesday, um, December the 15th, and we're two days late getting uh, this chapter read for Storytime, so I apologize. Um, we had technical difficulties on Sunday that went over into Monday, um, and otherwise things are going pretty well. So here is chapter four. We're reading The Sword in the Stone, and it's written by T.H. White, which uh, you may know is a British author. Um, and the chapters are long, so I'm only reading one chapter a week, and we're behind now, so I may try to read an extra chapter sometime this week. Okay, this is chapter four, Sword in the Stone, and as you remember, this uh, is the story of Arthur's relationship with Merlin when he was growing up, and before he became King Arthur. Okay, chapter four. The wart started talking before he was halfway over the bridge. Look who I have brought, he said. Look, I have been on a quest. I, have, I was shot at with three arrows. They had black and yellow stripes. The owl was card called Archimedes. I saw King Pellinore. This is my tutor, Merlin. I went on a quest for him. He was after the questing beast. I mean, King Pellinore was. It was terrible in the forest. Merlin made the plates wash up. Hello, Hob. Look, we've got Cully. Hob just looked at the wart, but so proudly that the wart went quite red. It was such a pleasure to be back home again with all his friends and everything achieved. Hobbes said gruffly, Ah, master, us shall make an astringer of it yet. Hobbes came for Cully as if he could not keep his hands off him longer. But he patted the wart, too, fondling them both because he was not sure which he was gladder to see back. He took Cully on his own fist, reassuming him like a lame man putting on his accustomed wooden leg after it had been lost. Merlin caught him, said the wart. He sent Archimedes to look for him on the way home. Then Archimedes told us that he had, had been and killed a pigeon and was eating it. We went and frightened him off. After that, Merlin stuck six of the tall feathers round the pigeon in a circle and made a loop in a long piece of string to go round the feathers. He tied one end to a stick in the ground and we went away behind a bush with the other end. He said he could not use magic. He said you could not use magic in great arts, 
just as it would be unfair to make a great statue by magic. You have to cut it out with a chisel, you see. Then Cully came down to finish the pigeon, and we pulled the string, and the loop slipped over the feathers and caught him round the legs. He was angry, but we gave him the pigeon. Hob made a duty to Merlin, who returned it courteously. They looked upon one another with grave affection, knowing each other to be masters of the same trade. When they could be alone together, they would talk about falconry, although Hob was naturally a silent man. Meanwhile, they must wait their time. Okay, cried the wart, as the latter appeared with their nurse and other delighted welcomers. Look, I've got a magician for our tutor. He has a mustard pot that walks. I'm glad you're back, said Kay. Alas, where did you sleep, Master Art, exclaimed the nurse. Look at your clean jerkin, all muddied and torn. Such a turn as you gave us, I really don't know. But look at your poor hair with all them twigs in it. Oh, my random, wicked little lamb. Sir Hector came bustling out with his greaves on back to front and kissed the wart on both cheeks. Well, 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 he exclaimed moistly. Here we are again, hey? What the devil have we been doing? Hey, setting the whole household upside down. But inside himself, he was proud of the wart for staying out after a hawk, and prouder still to see that he had got it. For all the while, Hob held the bird in the air for everybody to see. Oh, sir, said the wart, I have been on that quest, you said, for a tutor, and I have found him. Please, he is this gentleman here, and he is called Merlin. He's got some badgers and hedgehogs and mice and ants and things on this white donkey here because we could not leave them behind to starve. He is a great magician and can make things come out of the air. Ah, a magician, said Sir Hector, putting on his glasses and looking closely at Merlin. White magic, I hope. Assuredly, said Merlin, who stood patiently among the throng with his arms folded in his necromantic gown, while Archimedes sat very stiff and elongated on the top of his head. Ought to have some testimonials, said Sir Hector doubtfully. It's usual. Testimonials, said Merlin, holding out his hand. Instantly, there were some heavy tablets in it, signed by Aristotle, a parchment signed by Hecate, and some typewritten duplicates signed by the Master of Trinity, who could not remember having met him. All these gave Merlin an excellent character. He had him up his sleeve, said Sir Hector wisely. 
Can you do anything else? Tree, said Merlin. At once there was an enormous mulberry growing in the middle of the courtyard with its luscious blue fruits ready to patter down. This was all the more remarkable since mulberries only became popular in the days of Cromwell. They do it with mirrors, said Sir Hector. Snow, said Merlin, and an umbrella, he added hastily. Before they could turn round, the copper sky of summer had assumed a cold, lowering bronze, while the biggest white flakes that ever were seen were floating about them and settling on the battlements. An inch of snow had fallen before they could speak, and all were trembling with the wintry blast. Sir Hector's nose was blue and had an icicle hanging from the end of it, while all except Merlin had a ledge of snow upon their shoulders. Merlin stood in the middle, holding his umbrella high because of the owl. <laughs> it's done by hypnotism, said Sir Hector with chattering teeth, like those wallahs from the Indies. But that'll do, he said hastily. That'll do very well. I'm sure you'll make an excellent tutor for teaching these boys. The snow stopped immediately, and the sun came out, enough to give a body a pneumonia, said the nurse, or to frighten the elastic commissioners, while Merlin folded up his umbrella and handed it back to the heir, which received it. Imagine the boy doing a quest like that by himself, exclaimed Sir Hector. Well, 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 wonders never cease. I do not think much of it as a quest, said Kay. He only went after the hawk, after all. And got the hawk, Master Kay, said Hob reprovingly. Oh, well, said Kay, I bet the old man caught it for him. Kay said Merlin, suddenly terrible. Thou wast ever a proud and ill-tongued speaker and a misfortunate one. Thy sorrow will come from thine own mouth. At this, everybody felt uncomfortable, and Kay, instead of flying into his usual passion, hung his head. He was not at all an unpleasant person, really, but clever, quick, proud, passionate, and ambitious. He was one of those people who would be neither a follower nor a leader, but only an aspiring heart, impatient in the, in the failing body which imprisoned it. Merlin repented of his rudeness at once. He made a little silver hunting knife come out of the air, which he gave to Kay to put, him, to put things right. 
The knob of the handle was made of the skull of a stoat, oiled and polished like ivory. And Kay loved it. Well, that's a good end to chapter four. And um, God willing, and we don't have a hurricane or a tornado or some kind of magical eruption of weather, like snow falling unexpectedly, I will read chapter five later in the week, I promise. Okay. Have a lovely day and take good care of yourself. And I hope you're enjoying this story, even though we're a little off schedule.